Good morning to you. I greet you with Jesus' joy. We are in a series that we have uh, began a, a couple weeks ago. We're going to continue in that series today. The series is called Be Disciples. Be Disciples, uh, Learning and Living the Life. Learning and Living the Life. Um, as we uh, journey today, we're going to pick up in the book of Matthew again, uh, in the fifth chapter. As you turn there, one, one thing I'll just, I'll, I'll just share this week, we have coming up a, a, a night um, a night out. It's a, a paint night where the church will be with the community, in the community, and we will be painting and discussing uh, things of the kingdom with the community, and we will be painting while we do it and eating while we do it. And uh, uh, if you'd like to be there, we'll have a flyer in the back where you can RSVP. If you are unable to be there, we pray that you will be praying for um, holy interactions. Is that all right? Holy interactions. So we thank God for that. We, uh, that will be this coming Tuesday. So Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading there at Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. And if you were here last week, I hope you can remember some of the things that we'll rehash just a touch, but um, where where this is falling in line. But Matthew chapter 5, let me begin reading at the first verse there. I'll be reading uh, from the English Standard Version uh, Matthew chapter 5, it says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. For righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Heavenly Father, uh, God, we thank you. Lord, we pray uh, that your spirit, Lord, that has graced us, Lord, in the time of singing and worship, Lord, will continue to grace us, Lord, uh, with an awareness of your presence an understanding of your word, a shaping of our hearts and our minds and our wills. God, uh, Lord, all for your glory. We thank you for this time. We thank you for those that are gathered here. Uh, We pray your grace and peace over uh, every one under the sound of my voice and every household that is represented. Lord, uh, I ask for a fresh anointing to preach and an anointing to receive your word. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. 
Lord, you're my strength, my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. It, it got, the, the tone got serious as soon as I started reading uh, from that text. The tone got serious. You know, here in the church, we are, we are familiar with quite a few Marys. You know, there's, there's Mary of Magdala. You know, we know about her. She was there. She saw Jesus when he was risen. Uh, Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. Uh, who loved Jesus dearly. Um, of course, there's Mary, uh, the mother of, of Jesus, Mary. Um, but I want to get at and point to another Mary today that's not found in the Scriptures. Uh, she's a, uh, a songstress and a singer who performed a song that, that happened to speak to the hearts of millions of people and it became an anthem of sorts. And that song was, Be Happy. Be Happy. I'm not going to hum it because it'll get stuck in your head. If you know this Mary, you know who I'm talking about. Middle name J, last name. <laughs> Mary, Mary, that Mary. The thrust of that song that Mary sang, Be Happy, the thrust of that song is found in the chorus that says, all I really want is to be happy. Ooh, that, that, that touches a chord. I mean, uh, uh, Mary, uh, she laments trying to find that happiness she's after in an unstable love relationship, in an unstable place. And there were so many millions and millions of people who identified with Mary in her search for happiness. And that she may not have been that different than the other Marys, right? Um, uh, uh, people identify and they hunt for, for, for that happiness in, in material possessions. Come on. Uh, in, in other people, in what they consider ideal circumstances. All I really want. Happiness is pictured as some ideal state of pleasure that folks desire to achieve that will render them completely satisfied in this life. It's happiness. Well, in the text today, Jesus flips that idea of happiness or the ideal of happiness. And he flips it on his head and, and he offers in its place God's ideal of happiness. God's ideal uh, called uh, the blessed life. God's ideal of the blessed life. What, what, what does it look like from his perspective? That's the title of the message today, The Blessed Life, and, and you, you'll get it in a minute as we as we go on. The blessed life. Uh, a, a thought about the text that you can hold is that God often blesses what the world considers the least and the lowest. That was good news for some, but it might have been troubling for others. Right? God often blesses what the world considers the least <clears throat> and the lowest. What the world places a low value on. God, 
last week. Last week we 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 saw how uh, Jesus began calling his disciples, uh, calling his disciples to follow him. They were at work, and he just called them on out of it. Just, just come on, come. They they were they were not only called to a committed walk with him, if you remember, but they were also given new purpose in their lives, new priority um, uh, through, through their connection with Jesus. They would be transformed from ordinary fishermen to fishers of men, gathering people for life in God's kingdom, that call of Jesus. Uh, as, as Jesus uh, began his ministry in Galilee, he put the kingdom on display through his teaching, his preaching, and his healing. It was on display. In, in chapter 4 and verse 25, it, it tells us that, uh, and as a result, great crowds followed him. This is important. Great crowds followed him. Beginning in chapter 5 with his ministry building momentum, because that's, uh, um, that's when you launch a building plan, when great crowds start to follow you. With his ministry building momentum and the attention of the large crowds, Jesus shifts from dealing with physical needs that attracted many to dealing with spiritual needs, from, from his healing to his teaching. He shifted. He, it was like a downshift in an 18-wheeler. He uh, commonly called the, the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 7 here of Matthew. It, it reveals that even though uh, Jesus might seem like a new teacher on the scene, his authoritative teaching is based in, rooted in, and gives right application of the word of God that was already known. Uh, the word of God was already present, but uh, so let, me, let me say it this way. He, he didn't give new meaning, but he unpacked the true meaning for those coming to the kingdom to live it out. In other words, they had read the scriptures over and over again, but didn't get it. Jesus made sure that the disciples would get it. Um, we're, we're today, we're, we're zeroing in here on, on these first 10 verses of chapter 5, and the, and the phrase is known affectionately as the Beatitudes. Uh, if you heard that before, maybe you're familiar, maybe not, comes from the Latin for, uh, the, the Latin, uh, for blessed, right? And, and so uh, you, there's going to be eight sayings, and each of the eight sayings all have three parts. You don't mind if I teach a little bit. Each of the eight saying they all have three parts. It begins, they begin each one with the declaration of blessing. And then they share a condition that doesn't seem too blessed. That's the second part. And then uh, uh, the, the, the saying gives a reason as the evidence to confirm the state of blessing that was declared in the beginning. It, it's, like he, it's like he says it. And then you don't believe it. And then he's like, I say what I say. Uh, he, he, he makes it clear. But, but, but uh, to be clear, we're going to have some folks that, that log on to this webcast just because the title says uh, The Blessed Life. 
and they're in for a surprise, but now that I have their attention, um, I, I, to be clear, Jesus isn't sharing a formula for blessings. Uh, right away, we'll see that these aren't eight steps to a bless me in 2023. That's not Jesus. They focus on uh, uh, the persons. They, these sayings dig in. They focus on the person's attitude toward God, themselves, and others. He's getting at folks here, letting them know. This is a word for those who would, would be serious about following him. Serious. It, it teaches us about God's kingdom and those who take part in it. He says, seeing the crowds, Jesus, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, the teacher's position, he sat down, his disciples came to him. Jesus' ministry in Galilee, we said, had gathered crowds that followed him. But as Jesus decides to move up higher, to climb the mountain, to go up, to take it up, a notch, if you would, um, some filtering starts to take place. And anytime you turn up things, the filtering is going to take place. Here at this, uh, 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 at this teaching, in, in other places in the gospel you find, we discover uh, an important fact about disciples. Remember, we're looking at disciples. His disciples came to him. This is an important fact. It seems simple. Uh, let me put it this way. Disciples come out of the crowds. They come out of the crowds. Folks in a crowd might follow Jesus for many reasons. Some want to be spectators to see what he does next. Um, some are consumers who just want to receive something from him, a good word, a blessing, and some would, would just like to catch him doing something wrong so they can dismiss him altogether. The crowds. But, but disciples don't just want to hang back and blend in. Disciples, uh, they, they draw near to him. They want to be where he is. They draw near to him. They, they are they are following hard after him to learn and become like him. Just hearing is not enough. You know, it's just, it, we, we, we find out by the end of this, the, the sermon in, in chapter 7 that the, the crowds that hung around eavesdropping and, and they listened, but, but most of them, a lot of them still remained part of the crowd, part of the crowd whether it's this mountainside he, Jesus climbs or if it's a Sunday gathering, at some point every disciple must choose to come out of the crowd. You got, I knew it would get quiet, amen. Must choose to come out of the crowd. Listen to what the disciples learned. It says, and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Here we had the first, this first blessing. Uh, before we move on, just be, we want to be clear and, and crystal clear that, that about this, what this word blessed means. And, and before you correct me, know that you need to look in two or three dictionaries. Some say blessed and some say blessed. I know it's English teachers in here. I just want to be sure. But, but, but the, the word blessed 
means at its core happy or fortunate. He says happy or fortunate. There, there, are, there are things in life, uh, like, like Mary was singing about, that make us happy and unhappy. Uh, so today when we hear blessed, most people think about some, something good happening to somebody. Uh, I, I, I got a new job, I got a new car, I got a new house, blessed. Something, somebody has received some material thing. We think blessed, blessed, they're blessed. But the word here is not used to describe a feeling of something good happening here. It's talking about a person's condition or, or position from God's perspective. This is, this is, these blessings are not material things. They are spiritual truth. They are matter of fact. Jesus is teaching his disciples that those that follow him, that come to be a part of the kingdom, are in a fortunate condition. In spite of and sometimes because of their unfavorable circumstances. Did y'all, they are fortunately favored. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's like they uh, received something to be congratulated about. This is the position he's, 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 he's describing as blessed. Poor in spirit. Being poor in spirit, it doesn't necessarily point to those who are economically challenged, poor in that way. But in this time and, and just like our own time, those with less economic security tend to more easily recognize their need for God in all ways. That's just a truism of life. I found it in my, even my previous ministry, the response to the word of God by those who didn't have much else. Versus, that's not, let me keep going. Uh, those who are poor in spirit see God as their only hope. This is their, this is their, their posture. Uh, they, they acknowledge their inability to be spiritually whole or fulfilled without him. They, 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 they got it. Uh, uh, they, some people believe that they are more spiritually well-off than they are. Some people believe because they have material blessings that they have spiritual blessings. But the poor in spirit don't see it that way. They recognize their need. And then imagine, now Jesus is up on this mountain and you're hearing him speak. Imagine finally coming to this realization uh, that 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 you're utterly lost without God, with no means of connecting to him. And here comes Jesus preaching the good news that he's here to connect you. And you can get this connection regardless of what your bank account says, regardless of your status or station in life. What? Those who, who God allows to recognize their poverty of spirit are the ones who would respond joyfully to Jesus and gain what they lacked. So they are, without a doubt, blessed, Jesus says. Blessed are those 
who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is the attitude of a person who not only looks uh, around, but also within themselves and has a, what I call a holy hurt with the remaining brokenness that they find, both without and within. A holy hurt. Uh, how, how, could the, how could the mourner, we, we, we're going to, we're going to push back with the questions that we want to ask, but we weren't there to ask. How could the mourner be blessed? Mourning implies pain and loss. How's, how's that going to work? You know, because of, it implies pain and loss, most people turn from, ignore, or try to altogether shut out the things that would cause mourning. They don't want to look at it. They don't want to deal with it. Uh, they, they, they won't search themselves, and they won't get close enough to others to be seen or actually see what's in them that would cause the soul to sorrow. They, they, they want to they wanna keep an arm's length so that nobody can see inside to see the mourning, and they, and they don't have to deal with anybody else's mourning or brokenness. But Jesus makes it known that in, in the disciples' life, you're called into all of this. You're called into it. But, but, but here's, here's still good news at the end of it. You're called into all of this. But this word gives assurance um, that the disciples no longer have to live like others trying to protect themselves from the things that cause mourning because they can be sure about his comfort. You don't have to run from it. The comfort, the, the comfort that, that, the comfort that, that he's already uh, 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 begun to, to give through his presence and, his, and today his spirit and, and, the, and then the full comfort that's to come. We can be assured of it. We don't have to be afraid of, of, of mourning. We can face it and we can deal with it because there is a full comfort that's to come. And we, we, we looked at a picture of that comfort last week from the book of Revelation in the 21st chapter in the fourth verse where, where it was described that there would be no more pain and no more tears, no more crying, no more death, and no more mourning. We can be assured of it and comforted in it. For these types of mourners, ones that lean in, that are, that are blessed, these types of mourners, for them, weeping may indeed endure for the night, but joy is sure enough coming in the morning. For these, for these mourners, for these mourners, they're blessed, Jesus says. And blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. The, the, the blessed folks Jesus is describing, they're not only poor in spirit, not only do they mourn over sin, they are meek. Meekness, meekness is, the, is the way of a person who is gentle and mild or humble. Meekness. The, the meek person is not 
someone hiding in a corner afraid to speak. It's not about having a, a, a timid personality. As soon as some people hear meek, they say, I'm ruled out. Any, but but, but what, it, what, it, what it pictures, for those that do have timid personalities, I just want everyone to know, anybody can appear meek for a minute, off on their own, and, uh, their own they, by themselves. You can appear meek and mild, but, but meekness doesn't really show up until you don't get your way. That's when meekness shows up or not. Uh, um, the, the, the truly meek person, let me try to unfold it, they, they doesn't think they need to have their way. It's a meek person. I know it get quiet again, but I was prepared for this. Not only do they not think they need to have their own way, uh, 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 on top of that, because they realize that, let alone, they, they don't start jockeying and, and trying to apply force to get their own way. The meek person. Remember, we said uh, meekness is power under control. I could do something, but I don't need to. God's got me. Look, uh, uh, they, they're not having... It's not having the need to, to exert themselves over and against others to gain advantage in the world. Meekness. This, you, can you see how this would fly in the face of a culture that was built on, with, with, with authority and, and those, those things who they were being ruled over, the Roman culture, the Greeks, you know, the, the, the need to, to, to be on. T- oh, it sounds like today. It flies in the face of it. Um, but, but, but these meek, they are blessed. So, so while others claw and crave to, to try to conquer the world, the Lord says it will be handed over to the meek. It'll, it'll be handed over to them. And then have to scrap for it, fight for it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus goes on to identify those now with a, with a posture of longing to see God's right ways take hold in their lives and in the, in the lives in the world around them. This, this, is what they, this is what they're after. Those with a unquenchable appetite for things to just line up with and reflect God's high standard. Those, those, uh, uh, they, they are desiring conditions where people would have their basic needs met and be able to flourish. Those are hunger and they hunger and thirst, but but they're also longing to to take part in it coming to pass. They're driven. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yet these folks are are more than just warriors for justice. Don't 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 let me lose you here. They 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 
recognize that true justice is always righteous, but not every movement seeking justice is based on righteousness. Couldn't be honest. So what they do is they, they, they hunger for God's righteousness to be centered and celebrated and sought after in the world. These people, for them, their only source of satisfaction is in what satisfies God. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. What's your, what's your appetite like, disciples? What's your appetite like? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Who are the merciful? Who are the merciful? I, I imagine them as those looking with soft eyes and hearts toward others. That's how I like to imagine and picture and, and, and describe the merciful. Looking with soft eyes and hearts toward others. You, 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 rec- you can recognize that because you know what the opposite is like. Um, uh, pe- people with this, this posture, they, they are full of mercy, not just for the, the people that they're attached to, but for all who find themselves in conditions that require compassion. They're merciful. They, they, um, it, it's, it's reflected in their words and actions toward not only the, the hurting who need help, but also toward the offensive who need forgiving. That's, it's, it's, it's a, the merciful. They are generally merciful. They're not, uh, people, I find that people refuse to be merciful for, for one of two reasons. Uh, these, these are the big reasons. There's probably many reasons, but these are the big reasons. One reason is that people feel expressing mercy will make them vulnerable to be taken advantage of. If I give them that, they're going to abuse it, and they won't give it back. If, if, if I forgive them, that means they got away with it. But, but this scripture shows that the, the merciful don't need don't have the need to execute judgment. They are blessed, and they just have a supply of mercy. Uh, now, we'll talk about where that supply comes from in a little bit. But it, it, that's, So that's one reason. But the other primary reason is that, uh, that, that many refuse to live merciful lives. The other reason is, is that they, they don't realize just how much mercy they've received and are receiving from God at all times. That has to be it, Uh, uh, um, which causes them to believe that others are less deserving of mercy than they are. I, I, I posted a quote. I try not to post too much of my opinions, but I said, show others as much mercy and grace as you want when you mess up. Uh, I love the Lord. After, after being criticized for, for eating with people who had sketchy, sinful lives, 
Jesus corrected some self-righteous leaders with God's word that they claimed to know. <laughs> there in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13, he says, uh, after they, that they tried to take shots at Jesus uh, uh, next to him, they, they were saying it to the people next to him, and he heard them. He knew what was in their hearts. He, he said to them, he said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. These people claim to be walking with God and know the word and know the script, but they were unmerciful. Jesus said, y'all need to go back to elementary. Learn what that means. He showed mercy to those who needed it. This character that's flowing in, this, in these blessed folks is it, first in the Lord. He showed mercy to those who needed it. The, the, and so the merciful can expect the same abundant mercy from God. Don't worry about being merciful because you got an overflow of mercy coming. Thank you, Lord. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus, Jesus digs into the spaces that only God truly knows. He starts talking about the heart. Uh, we, we, we had a study group last week. We started talking about the heart and the heart, the heart. And people say, God knows my heart. And I say, yeah, he does. He knows your heart. He knows it's desperately wicked. Amen. People usually say that when, they, when, they, when, they, when they're thinking, oh, I got, that's my excuse for doing what I did. No. So Jesus digs into the, to the heart. Remember, it's, 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 it's posture toward, toward God, you and your attitude. The, the, the pure in heart, the pure heart is, is one that's fully inclined and devoted to God. It's fully inclined and devoted to God. So, so, so it, 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 uh, it, 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 it avoids things that would keep it from God. The pure in heart. I felt something says, say that again. It avoids things that would keep it from God, that would cause distance between it and God. Oh, Lord. Ah. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 24, this is, a, this is an old question because when, when you're talking about proximity to God, we have to recognize that we, like we were singing that God is holy and he's completely other and he's spotless and, he, and he's blameless and, he's, and he, he's not to be toyed with. Um, and so they asked in Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, they asked, somebody asked the question, who shall ascend into the hill to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? The answer shouts back, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to vanity, nor sworn de de deceitfully, who hasn't divided their allegiance. Uh, that's, that's what the psalmist is getting after in, in Jesus. Now he's opening these things up. Blessed are the pure in heart. The, this, this purity of heart, Jesus says, it exceeds uh, uh, those of, of that time in, in, 
and maybe some of this time who are, who are ritually clean on the outside. They look good. They look ready. They look righteous. But they're defiled on the inside. It, this purity of heart, it exceeds that. Because that was the standard back then. That this person, they've, they've washed their hands five times. They have on clean linen. They haven't touched this. They haven't, they haven't done that. They, uh, this purity of heart exceeds it. It reflects a transformed inward state. And, and just like all of those other, these other conditions we've been talking about, it can only be accomplished by the work of God himself. On the inside. And those who have it, these are those who will be called into intimate fellowship with God. They, these are the ones that get to, get, to, get, to, get to be there. Are we, we, we're winding down. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Oh, I like that. Those with this characteristic, they, they, <clears throat> they resemble God. How's that? How you like that? Uh, 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 a family resemblance. It, it, it's it's uh, this, these, these peacemakers. It's, it's different than, you know, peacemaking is different than peacekeeping. You know that, right? Because peacekeeping... Keep peacekeeping, it only, that only manages conflict. Peacekeeping, it manages it. And, and it often leaves people bitter because somebody's just had to let some things go, let some things go, let some things go. But by the time people decide to split, somebody's usually been peacekeeping for a long time. When it should have been peacemaking, uh, uh, they, uh, uh, peace. Makers and not they don't manage. Uh, conf- they peacemakers step into places of conflict to bring resolution and, and possible reconciliation. That's peacemaking. It's the difference between two people in a room pushing a pile of dirt from one place to another, and someone coming in and and just sweeping it under a rug. That's peacekeeping. <laughs> Versus finding the source of the dirt and bringing the two together to clean it and to prevent it from piling back up at all. That's peacemaking. Oh, that's all right, but the, a, better, a better picture, a better picture. The, the, the best picture of peacemaking is found in God's own demonstration of extending himself to, to heal fractures and resolve conflicts between enemies. You do know that the Bible says that at one time we were enemies with God. I can think of a lot of people to be enemies with, but he's not one that I want to be an enemy with. But what did God do about it? Instead of eradicating his enemy, as he could have, 2 Corinthians 5 18 uh, and 19, it, said, it lets us know that in order for us to have reconciled relationship with God, he sent Christ into the world behind the enemy lines to take on the blame and the brunt of the conflict. Christ came right down into the mess of it. 
and took it for us. In other words, the, the, the Bible says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. He never sinned, but he got, God said, I'm going to come right into the middle of this conflict myself. Peacemaking. So they, 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 that's why they're blessed. But the, the interesting thing about this, this blessing of peacemakers, watch this. Um, I hope you don't think it's going to mean the absence of conflict because it, it, it's the peacemakers is that disciples who enter into a committed relationship with, with, with uh, following Jesus are placing themselves in an antagonistic relationship with the world. You're stepping into it. Disciples are stepping into it. But still, even though we're stepping into it, uh, we're called to have the heart of peacemakers and not warmongers. We shouldn't be the ones always at the center of the Twitter beef or posting disparaging comments about others online. That shouldn't be us with the peacemakers. Even if they've shown themselves to be enemies toward us, and God, we're sent to be peacemakers. Our, our, our family resemblance as children of God begins to show most, not only when we seek peace for ourselves, but when we seek it for others. In both, in both places, in, in, in their relationships with other people, and ultimately in their relationship with the Lord. Peacemakers. What is the most radical act of peacemaking? Introducing someone to the living God. Peacemakers. By now, I hope, you, I hope, I hope, I hope we're recognizing that these aren't a, a, a bunch of a different personality traits. Some, some people having one and, and some people having the other. And it's like, this is my way. This is my style. No. These characteristics, they, they overlap and, and they are imprinted on the lives of all of those who'd be living under this kingdom that Jesus is now announcing and stands as king of. It's an imprint. People's, people who, whose, whose lives reflect these characteristics will always in some way now find themselves in this last condition. It's, it's, it's inevitable. Verse 10 said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is, I, I thought Jesus was making his point well enough, but he just gives another circumstance that just seems completely opposite, an oxymoron of what we would consider to be blessed. Uh, I don't know if, if you can get to uh, uh, farther ideas, persecution, and blessing in, in our mind. Maybe it's just my mind. Persecuted. Jesus here, he's pointed, to, he's pointed toward those who are, are harassed and mistreated simply for living like the future state that God has promised is their reality right now. 
They're living different. Uh, they, they, they're persecuted for, for desiring God's kingdom more than the world's kingdom. Just who do they think they are? Uh, uh, for, for, for not going with the flow. They, they, they're persecuted. But notice, only those who live like this can really expect and experience the blessing of it. They can only, they, only them, those persecuted for righteousness sake aren't to be confused. Let's clear it, clear it up with those having a martyr complex. I did it all. I did all this. I did that. I put my life on the line. I spent my money. I did it. They're not to be confused with, you, you don't, you don't hear the, the, you don't hear that from the persecuted. <clears throat> oh, um. Oh, and they're not to be confused with for folks who are looking for persecution under every rock. I can't believe they won't allow me to drink my tea inside the church. Persecution. No, they're not, they're not uh, uh, those um, who are actually receiving consequences for wrong actions, words, and behaviors. Those aren't the persecuted. Those aren't the persecuted. Um, uh, Peter, Peter was here. He was here in the sermon. And he, he sat, he listened to Jesus. I think he took notes. Peter said, and when he wrote, he said in uh, 1 Peter 4, 14 and 15, he said, <clears throat> if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Peter, look, he said, but let None of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Peter said, let me paraphrase. Peter said, if you're bringing stuff on yourself, don't come over here trying to cry about how you're persecuted. The Lord is not in that. You're doing that. He said, but if it's for the name of Christ, Peter said, you're blessed. Said he told me, and and I've experienced it for myself. That you're blessed. The blessed here would be those despised and and come against because of truly living a life for and according to Christ. Those that they, they, they're blessed in, in their persecution. Uh, the, Jesus says. You're going to face this. You're going to face this. But when you face this, just know there's something greater later. There's something coming. He, he prepares his disciples with these, these beatitudes. He prepares his disciples to give, he's giving them a, a proper perspective, a, a lens, a, a proper lens to, to view their life in the kingdom through. This sounds nothing like some of the cable YouTube preaching that you've been hearing. I'm not going to call you out, but I know it. It sounds nothing like that. Jesus said, let me give you the proper perspective of what this kingdom life is and calls for. Because, uh, 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 but he lets them know, don't only see it in that lens that you will face those things, but also recognize that because... You take hold of it in adversity, 
you'll have a greater and greater access to the kingdom now and in the time to come. You're going to, because you've gone this way, he said, you are blessed. He says, there is a great joy to be experienced in all of this. I know it sounds heavy. It might sound hard, but he said, there's a great joy. In fact, we won't get to verse 12, but he told them after he gave them this list and talked to them about persecution, he told them, he said, rejoice when it happens. Rejoice when it happens. There is a joy in all of this because Jesus says you are blessed. Jesus lays all of this out as the blessed life. As the disciples come to him out of the crowd, they're called to this. And they're blessed not by the world's standards, but by God's standards. Whose standards would you rather be considered blessed by? In in whose view do you want to be considered blessed? by 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 the fickle, changing, shifting standards of the world? Or by the eternal, faithful, loving standards of God? Choose the standards. The standards. If you, if you, if you want to know, I'm helping now the people that are watching online. <clears throat> if you want to know who's living the blessed life, you won't find it in their bank account, in their vehicle, in their property, in their popularity. You won't find it there. You find out who's living the blessed life by how much these characteristics describe their life. How much does their how, how much does do, do do their lives line up with this life that Jesus this blessed life Jesus is describing? I said them now us. How much do these characteristics describe your life? How much do these characteristics? Describe your life. That's what the prayer is about. You want to be blessed? Lord, I I asked them. They said. I don't know if they're indifferent. Does anybody want to be living the blessed life? I know the word makes you nervous. Do you want to be living the blessed life? Align your life with Jesus and his word. 